0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the AV Geeks Podcast. Today, I'm your host and my name's Martin. So, it's been a sad week for us over in the UK. We've lost the century from the RAF. So, Ben, how are you feeling? Yes, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit gutted,
1: to be honest. I mean, it's an aircraft that's done 30 years of solid service for the, the Royal Air Force. And, you know, yet again... It is another airframe that's been retired with no immediate replacement. So we're now depending on probably the French and NATO forces in mainland Europe to do any surveillance for us, really, for the for the foreseeable future until I think it's 2023 when the uh, the first of the wedge tails appear in the British skies. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. I don't know why our armed forces and government seem to think, yeah, we'll chop something and then not have an immediate replacement for a few months, a few years in, in this instance. So um yeah, it, it is a shame. I'm hoping that they do something special, you know, maybe do a you know a fly pass or um a final salute off to the to B3, not just do a case that was done its final mission. That's it. <laughs> yeah, we look like they do with the Sentinel. Um How many yeah. of you
2: guys have in your fleet?
1: Uh there's three left fully yeah.
0: operational oh. fully.
2: They, need to so do, they need to do a three one by one by one
0: yeah it oh, was only, only two are actually capable of flying yeah uh, the other one's the other one's already been chopped up into into pieces yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think one's destined
1: I think is it ZJ103 I think is destined for the um for the state.
0: No that's so the one the one for the states is already out there. It's already out there it's it? already it's been in storage out there for seven or eight years um somewhere in arizona that way yeah out of davis martin
1: mm. yep So yeah so there we go so we've got two so it would be a two-ship fly pad hopefully be <laughs> nice.
0: it's sad times, really
1: mm. yeah definitely but you know we've had we've had some good luck we've had some air shows that we've managed to get to and some uh yeah little flying days courtesy of duxford at the imperial war museum which has been nice to see some warbirds in the skies and appreciate them for a bit which is quite nice so yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, an air show next month in September at the beach. Be nice. It's probably it's weather yeah, hopefully the it's it's weather nice. holds. Absolutely.
2: I know our AWACS fleet is like, they're, yeah, they're just, they're going strong still. So to yeah. see you guys losing them and you guys have the uh, re-engined uh, platforms, um, we're still rocking the classic engines, the screamers, I forget getting much engine model it is. Um, but yeah, the AWACS fleet. Is like heavily relied on over here. So
0: yours has been upgraded though. Yours yours, so NATO, France, and the Americans all upgraded. Whereas our government were like, nah, forget it, we don't need it. And then it's moved on like 20 blocks since the since we upgraded, and our airframes were too far gone, too, too long in the tooth, really. So they're swapping them with wedge tails? That's the plan. Yeah. The first ones, we've got the first. Airframe is currently being refurbed. That was an ex Air China Airlines. That's over in Birmingham. So it's supposed to come online in 2023, but we'll see about that. Cool. So I don't know. It's it's change of a
2: change probably. of scenery.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah,
1: it's gonna be a shame to not see that nice big mushroom disc spinning yeah. around and flying around. You know, we'll get it if you see the uh, the NATO one coming from uh, from Europe yeah. or the States, but uh, yeah, otherwise it would just be uh yeah nothing Yeah.
0: so with that i'm going to introduce you to our guest for today he's a weapons test engineer at eglin air force base hello jake how are you doing i'm doing great how are you guys yeah i can't mind,
1: ben yeah no, yeah not bad apart from the uh traditional british weather apart from that, everything's uh it's <laughs> gravy <laughs> yeah no everything's good here and
2: uh no, I'm excited to be on this. This you guys are my first podcast that I've I've been asked to uh, be a part of. So um, through all the technical difficulties and scheduling uh, hurdles that we've jumped through in the past couple couple of weeks, now this is awesome. Just being on here and being able to to chat with the boys about aircraft and photography and all sorts of things. So I no, appreciate you. appreciate you guys having me on here.
0: Well, we're definitely glad to have you. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, job for a start? Yeah. So um,
2: I am based uh, down in South Florida um, at Eglin Air Force Base, and so I'm a weapons test engineer for uh, the Air Force. So pretty much what I do uh, in a nutshell is um, anything that is being uh, tested during developmental tests um, and sometimes operational tests for uh, the warfighter. Comes through us here at Eglin, so we are the Air Force Armament Directorate here um, for the Department of Defense. Um, so anything that's coming off of a jet that's that's hitting targets um, and is being uh, developmentally tested, uh, we are dealing with. So that's anything across the board. So you know stuff that's been in in. Uh, like our, our inventory and even, you know, what you guys are, are use on your fighter jet platforms and bomber platforms, um, JDAM legacy stuff and um, AIM-9s, AIM-120s, AMRAMs, um, all that stuff, along with <clears throat> the stuff that is uh, new and uh, not talked about as much to the general public. Um, we get our hands on it and we get to, um, I, I would say almost like, So we we start off by working with a program office, and um, they come to us with something that they want to build, they want to test, they want to upgrade something like that. So what we do is we take it through the entire process, um, building a method of test and and how we um, integrate that into platforms, integrate that into, um, you know, the, the system upgrades on certain weapons. Um, But all of it is focused on whatever the program office is wanting to do with that weapon, Um, whether it's new, whether it's legacy, like a JDAM, uh, like an AMRAM, if they're making upgrades to it, we're the ones, you know, testing it. So we get to um, take that, build a method to test how we're going to test certain things and um, overall how we're going to achieve, you know, end game uh, parameters and and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So. We take it through the entire circus of you know planning out the tests planning out the events um, what platform we're going to operate off of so um you know we we do work with nato allies as well so we'll have you know other countries come in and do testing with us which is really neat so um we just recently had uh the royal australian air force last year come in um with f-35s and and do some stuff with us um over our over our test ranges so that was really neat but Um, yeah, we work with army, Navy, Marines, air force. I mean, you name it, um, anything that needs to, needs to be tested or, um, upgraded, they, they come to us and we make it happen. So, um, we take it through that entire process and then all the way up to, um, when the items are finished being built or when they're finished being upgraded and they're shipped in, um, make sure that, you know, safety of flight and all that stuff is considered and we have all of our documentation ready and um approved by you know certain program offices for the aircraft because they have to approve you know putting something on their jet platform. Um, the weapon program office has to approve that hey this thing is actually ready to fly or ready to, to be dropped or anything like that. So um, there's a ton of different organizations that we work with here at Eglin. Um, with my squadron, with the the flight testing squadrons that own the aircraft here, uh, but just the test wing in general. Um, There is a ton of stuff going on um, all throughout the year. So it's neat to see all the different, um, you know, stakeholders that, that we get to uh, play with, but also um, all the different programs and um, platforms we get to work with uh, here at Eglin, but also just across the world, anything that needs developmental testing, OT testing, it comes to Eglin. So it's pretty neat. And we have the, the climatic chamber. So a lot of stuff that, you know, if Ford or Jeep needs a, a, a new vehicle and they wanna test how it does in the snow or how it does in the sand, they can come right here to the McKinley lab, throw their new you know Jeep Wrangler 392 V8 um, mm. in there and and test it on environments and stuff like that in there. So um, Eglin has a lot to offer just mm. in the sense of testing um, to where it's not just aircraft testing, weapons testing that occurs here. I mean, yeah. you got people that are coming in and and making sure that their vehicles can survive a blizzard kind of deal so um (laughs) it's cool but yeah yeah so it's it's uh really neat to to be a part of an awesome team here um you know the test wing and the air force is such a small world um as i'm sure if you guys have you guys have obviously um through spotting i'm sure met air crew and all that and and you know that so many people go to um, those overseas bases and want to go back, um, multiple Mm -hmm. times. They loved it so much overseas like myself. Um, but it is such a small world air force wise that, um, you have connections everywhere and, and, you know, people everywhere stationed across the world, but everybody you, you will come in contact with at some point, again, whether they're coming here for Eglin to do stuff with us again, and you haven't seen them in two years. Um, or if if you're going to another base, you know, for TDY or going for a work trip, and just so happen to run into someone that you knew from three years ago, it's it's really neat. So, definitely a small world and a big family. Yeah, that's
0: pretty <clears throat> awesome. Definitely a wide varying job there. Yeah. So, can you want to tell us a bit about your photography, like where you started and how you got
2: mm-hmm. into it? Yeah. So i I have always had a huge passion for photography. Um, my grandma. Uh, got me into photography a little bit um i was i was one of those kids that was huge into like trains planes cars dinosaurs you name it that that kind of you know guy <laughs> stuff when you're a, a kid like, and, like uh, kids are. <laughs> yeah exactly uh nowadays you know everything is like video games like my brother who is um i would say a generation younger in a sense um very much a totally different mindset and growing up differently and and Having different interests and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, my grandma and I would would do little trips here and there. Um, and I would have like one of the little Kodak uh, reuse or disposable cameras. So we would take pictures of the dinosaurs and stuff like that. So that initially started it off when I was a kid, but um, getting serious into like aviation photography, um, growing up uh, an Air Force brat, my dad was Air Force. So, um, you know, we moved all over the place every two, three years. Um, and it was always unique just to see the different aircraft that we had at the different bases that we lived at. So, um, you know, living at, uh he was in the med group. So a lot of the times we moved to bases where um, there weren't fighter jets.
3: <laughs> I wish uh, there were <laughs> uh.
2: um, so I I got the uh, like the Air Force Academy. Um, you know, it's the it's the uh, pretty much the, the starting point for anybody that's going into college, um, into the Air Force and then commissioning. Um, oh, I grew up at the Air Force Academy. After uh, moving, I was born in in uh, Alaska. Um, so up there, when my my family was stationed up there, um, moved down to the academy and grew up at the academy. But we would see the Thunderbirds every time. You know, the the classes graduated, so we get the Thunderbird flyover every year. Um, and then all the football games that they had for college football, um, they always had something cool for a flyover. So. Um, I I vividly remember I think my favorite one um was the uh I want to say it was the BYU Air Force game and I was I had to be like 6 or 7 but it was vivid memory where the B2 stealth came over and on either side they had an F117 um wow. coming over the coming oh, over the wow. field so that was yeah and now you look at it and F117 you know doesn't fly but um <laughs> Yeah, uh, wink, wink, it's, nod, it's, nod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a it's such a unicorn now that you know seeing mm. that thing um, is like the ultimate dream, and and you didn't appreciate it at a young age where it was at air shows. It was you know, and I'm sure like other platforms like the Raptor. When those Raptors get retired, um, whenever that day is, I hope it's not in my lifetime because <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite. Um, you know, the the just the the special, you know nuances of that platform you don't appreciate until it's gone so similar to the AWACS that you guys are experiencing so but yeah when it comes to uh photography you know getting into that and then um it sort of progressed a little bit more going to air shows and stuff I didn't necessarily have camera gear or anything like that it's just you know technology uh, you know wasn't as accessible I would say um with how good cameras are nowadays and that that's saying like You know 20 years ago 15 years ago um a lot has changed with just you know mirrorless and and all the new upgrades to camera systems but um i started getting back into photography uh high school you know it wasn't the cool thing until like instagram came around and uh so instagram came around and i sort of got back into photography and taking pictures with my friends and all that stuff but um you know once once i got into college and um, started working for Signature Flight Support. I was actually uh, a line service tech for my base um, here in the states. One of the bases that we had down here in the south, yeah. and uh, so I I was one of the um, military liaisons there, um, and we started a military operations support initiative where we were trying to get new platforms in that had never landed at our airport, and we had a pretty good, we had a pretty decent sized airport. Um, over in Mobile, Alabama. And, you know, we could accept anything up to like a 747. Like Air Force One had landed there before, long before I had gotten there. But um, we had a, about a 9,000 foot runway. So we can accept uh, a lot of different platforms. So that was, I think, the initial start back into photography was somehow getting our base onto signatures like Facebook and social media and showcasing what we were doing. Um, so getting that interaction with the different units where we had a KC-135 for the first time land at our airport, grab gas from us. Um, we had F-16 Red Tails, you know, from Montgomery with the, the 187th come in for the first time, ripping it over the field. And everyone, you know, in the city like, what the hell's <laughs> going on in
3: Mobile? What's going on at the <laughs> airport?
2: Um, uh, six, you know, six ship of uh, legacy Hornets from the Marines, the, uh, the Bengals and the Hawks came through. Um, so it, it started a trend where, um, we were starting to get a lot of activity and just being able to showcase that across the signature, um, social media and show that, you know, other bases can do this. Um, it's just a matter of continuous, continuous support and reaching out to, you know, installations and telling them, Hey, we are here. We're, you know, our, our main customers being so close to, you know, the, the Navy training center for, um, anybody going into. F 18s for the Navy at NAS Pensacola, where the Blues are based. um, VT 86 was like our main customer. So we'd get the T 45s in, and it was like, all right, how can we expand upon that? And taking photos and videos through that, and and many of the videos that I have on my Instagram have been from those moments where, I mean, we had, uh, I had two buddies that came in on their Finney flights, and they're like, all right, we're going to give you Top Gun style. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> departure, <laughs> and they're hooking <laughs> it around the tower the tower cleared my them man. for 10 minutes of airspace held the airlines down just to see what they were going to do and so they ripped it around six passes around the tower and oh like i God. mean just shy of, of breaking the sound barrier um passes so um but all of that you know created a bunch of a bunch of appreciation from the units that we worked with mm-hmm. and then it was just a matter of expanding upon that and through that you know built my photography and getting that out there on the social media pages and whatnot and I would post a lot on my Instagram and so that sort of um kickstarted that and then I invested in camera gear I finally chose to invest in legit camera gear <laughs> so uh, I did that uh when I moved over here um in 2019 I I got my Nikon set up and nothing nothing fancy nothing you know super crazy. Um, I wish I had a, a D750.
1: <laughs> That'd be awesome.
2: <laughs> but uh, hopefully upgraded that in the near future. But yeah, that has been the the kickstart to it. And then it, it, just since moving here, I took that same mentality from Signature and was like, all right, how can I do this um, outside of Air Force life? Because I, you know, work for the Air Force during the week. So how can I do this Um, as a hobby as a fun passion to continue that and um, ultimately my my love for it is sharing connecting um, and giving you know air crews and pilots photos of them doing the cool stuff like that's what we appreciate as photographers is those guys are ripping it in the air for us those guys are flying the Blackhawks and the helicopters and and all that stuff and they never get you know, typically they won't get pictures of them flying a lot of times, unless it's at an air show or unless it's at an event or something like that. So, um, being able to provide, you know, them photos, um, and give back to them is, is sort of what I've always done it for. Um, and that's my enjoyment and fulfillment out of uh, photography. And it led to so many neat opportunities, um, so many new connections and friends, um, and then just a growing social media page, um, you know, in two years, I went from like 3,000 to 10,000. And it's insane because I never thought it would, I never thought it would reach something like that. But, um, you know, just the continued support by so many people um, in the aviation and, and photography, you know, community is so awesome to see how there's so many others like you guys and like the many others, you know, that you've had on your show. Um, who enjoy the same stuff it's all about you know photography and enjoying that aspect and it's a hobby and sharing that with others and um you know connecting with so many other people especially the cool the cool people like the air crew and pilots that are and the, all the maintenance guys that are doing all the cool stuff so um yeah. it's been a it's been an awesome fulfilling hobby and it it's turned into um a small business now so um I definitely Take away the the business mentality of it. it doesn't feel like that at all it's so much fun yeah, just yes. to be able to to do it all and and still have fun with it so
1: yeah i mean going back to what you were saying about um given the air the ability to see what they're like when they're flying i've just recently yeah. had one and a few of the guys have had one um we went up to the lake district in the uk a couple of weeks back and uh <clears throat> excuse me we had a, a three ship of f-15s go through low level and uh, the first one happened to be the um, 48th fighter wings um, squadron commander for their operational conversion unit and um, he reached out and said if I could have a a print I said yeah sure I'll send you a print and one print turned to three so it was one for myself one for him for his office and he sent one back to his folks uh, back over in the States Absolutely uh, Signed it and gave a load of swag over, and he was like, it's, "It's amazing. Rarely get to see myself, you know, flying in a jet." He said, "He loves it." So yeah, it's, I totally agree with you. On yeah, side of things that we get the enjoyment out of it of getting to see these amazing machines ripping it, like you said, through the skies, or oh yeah, going low level, high level, doing this, doing that at air shows, and then the flip side is these guys that are going out there doing this it's training is their job then get seen yeah you see and exactly. enjoy it and that's i think that's the best part of this. it's major reward rewarding part and they
2: don't do it all they don't do it for you know they, it they can be such a long career but then it, it stops at some point
3: whereas photography
2: yeah. can go on it's like golf you can play it until you die um,
3: <laughs> which well. is why i love
2: it too um but no like you can you can do photography and to do it for such a long time after retirement after a career anything like that so yeah um you know giving back to those guys that you know at some point it's going to stop the blue angels are never going to be a blue angel again unless you know you have a crazy situation like the pandemic where we Mm -hmm. we're pulling three blue angels previous blue angels back to help with the transition so you know like it it is it is all about that fulfillment of giving a different bird's eye view to those guys who they just see us on the side of a mountain (laughs) and they're like (laughs) oh there they are again (laughs) but versus you know seeing it through the the eye and the lens of the camera is it's pretty Mm -hmm. neat so That's cool.
0: All right. We've got some listener questions. Yeah. So uh, we've got one from Ant who says, uh, what was your favorite moment shooting the Blue Angels? Oh, that is so,
2: so (laughs) I get asked that a ton. So I will say it's, it's gotta be a culmination of the transition. So throughout the pandemic, you know, that it was crazy to see how the team, we were we were as locals curious if the transition was going to be held off just based off of the pandemic and all the impacts that it's had just nationwide um things shutting down and you know you wouldn't imagine that Boeing is still painting super hornets in blue and gold during a pandemic um but the DOD has a way to make it happen so that was something that we were we were curious about but when they sort of being being uh, uh having some connections in with with uh the team and and the museum and stuff like that we had a hint that all right the transition is happening it's just a matter of when and so when we got word a couple weeks prior to the super hornet you know coming home for the first time and it being painted and everything like that in the blue and gold um seeing the final i would say the Finny flight of the legacy fleet doing their beach run um over pensacola they did an entire full just like, um, Delta fly over, over the city and over certain areas of the local area here on the Emerald coast from that point to, um, when I saw the super Hornet Delta formation and seeing the, you know, the transition from legacy Hornets, which we thought were loud, um, to the super Hornets, which are 10 times louder is just that whole time span of all the different unique moments seeing the super hornet for the first time take off um, capturing that next to a uh, a standard gray navy fleet f-18 super hornet but it had yellow lows, so the yellow tips on the wings Um, so you knew it was going to be painted as a blue angel at some point but the gray fleet jet could you know had smoke in it so um that flying along with uh super hornet one was just incredible to see because you don't it, you don't see that often. You don't see a fleet jet that has smoke on it. No, <laughs> um, unless it's in serious issues. So no.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: so seeing that and then even like uh you know through that um we didn't have fat Albert so the C one thirty for the blues that has been like non existent for the last um two years because we actually got one of the you know I think it was a UK bird. It was I'm not
1: mistaken. Yeah, yeah it so was. I can't remember the red, but yeah, it was an ex RAF bird. It went to uh, yeah, was, was repainted. Yeah, Did a quick quick show of it, and then it, yeah, it hopped over the uh, hopped over the pond. So. I
0: think that's the closest we're going to get to Blue Angels for a long time. <laughs> yeah, They're just
1: was,
0: I don't know why don't know. they don't want
1: to visit Europe. It was good. That was going to be one of my questions. Actually, it was going to be why have they never come over? in are they ever going to come over? I mean, we've had the Thunderbirds over here. Um, we haven't had the Snowbirds over here, but the, the Blue Angels, one of
0: the teams, so I'd love to see it. Last, City, I'm, sure, I'm sure I Googled this. The last time they come over to Europe was 91 or 92.
2: I think, so they, they made, yeah, I think you're right. They made an appearance in Canada in 2017. Honestly, I would, I would expect them to come to Europe. I think it sucks that the pandemic is like, Really putting a beating on everything mm. again, but I I couldn't not see them coming to Europe in the next five yes. years easily. Yeah.
0: So they, they, they never visited with the Hornets. They've never been to Europe with the Hornets, the
2: which is crazy they, to me.
0: Yeah, the last time they were over here, they had Phantoms. Oh, really? So that's yeah. So <laughs> it's just it's an odd one,
1: really. Yeah. I mean, I think yes, I see, think I, the I think the whole UK aviation. Um, community would probably agree that before covid hit when it was announced that i think it was this year's fairford was going to be 50th anniversary and it also coincided i think was it last year's had the us air forces anniversary as well as soon as that happened everyone was thinking right they are going to have have raptors over f-35 is over the thunderbirds are going to come over the blue angels are going to come over and then it just went yeah and we would guide so hopefully terrible timing Yeah, yeah Touch wood that 2022's Air Tattoo could potentially just yeah. blow up and be immense. Two get like well, three years worth of air shows that we have miss out on combined.
2: Into well, and even like Riot, like I would imagine that some, they have to make an appearance at some point. My thing is, is if the Thunderbirds have been able to do it, I wonder if it's a Air Force versus Navy thing. Because mm-hmm. the Air Force has more bases over in the UK. And in Europe, I think in general, um, they have more installations, but you know, the blues land at Air Force places all the time, so um, it it shouldn't be a matter of that. In fact, I it's cool to see both of the teams interacting so much now to where Mm -hmm. you expect the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds to get together at least once a year, at least. Mm -hmm. And they've already done it four times this year. So to see it stateside, I would imagine the blues are are making an appearance in Europe, I would say, in the next five years easily. They have to.
3: It's the
1: like come okay. on. Yeah, got it's got it. So, I know I yeah. know the thund- I know the um the Thunderbirds can add to aerofuel. Can the can the blues add to aerofuel? They still got that capability. Yeah. Yep. So so, so fly annoying only- shouldn't, shouldn't be an
3: issue.
2: <laughs> yeah. Get them get them two tankers. <laughs> <laughs> like they did for all the the nationwide flyovers <laughs> just get them two tankers and and bring them all over so they only have seven aircraft that they would bring i bet you they would bring eight um for backups yeah i think they would bring two or three spares for the long haul but you know everything goes into the maintenance prep making sure that everybody is ready to go overseas for let's say a week two weeks three weeks you just don't know
0: oh, i'd probably but, say that I'd do a european tour if they ever come over like the Reds done mm. in America a few years back, yeah, where they spent the whole summer out there. Yeah, I would imagine that the Blues would probably follow something quite similar to that sort of layout. I would hope so. I mean, the Thunderbirds—do
2: they typically only come over for one air show and then they come back?
1: Usually, yeah, yeah. I think I think they've only done Fairford. I think they've only done real and that was it. They went back. The States, yeah, because we wrong. If any of our listeners are. are <laughs> Have got the proof that they've been over to other bases, and yeah, hit us in the uh in the comments. But yeah,
2: yeah I No, I would, I would, I would hope they come to you guys soon. I mean, the show is incredible to begin with, with the legacies, um, but the show with the supers is just it's it's a totally different feel. And I think the one thing that I was, you know, my favorite part of the show is the sneak pass. And so, because so many people don't know it's coming. Um, I was curious to see the change in volume between the legacy and the Super Hornet and the Super Hornet alone, um, just based off of its leading edge extensions, just by the canopy and just how you know, it's, it's a third of the size bigger. So you're, you have bigger wings, you have bigger uh, ailerons and, and uh flaperon. So the, the platform, the Super Hornet creates more vape just naturally. Um, and especially down here because we're, you know, like 90% humidity year round. Um, it's perfect for us, but when they go like out to California for winter training, you know, all the guys out there and, and, uh, photographers don't necessarily get to see all of the vapor that we get here on a, on a standard, you know, practice. So
1: yeah, we would definitely get it here in the UK because it's oh, always yeah. got moisture in the air it's like oh, yeah, or not. so yeah, we'd get oh, yeah. Vapor all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah. You guys are like Seattle in the winter (laughs) (laughs) pretty much, (laughs) but um, yeah. So the, the super Hornet just vapes like crazy. Um, So the sneak pass, when I saw the sneak pass for the first time, I was shocked at just like, I had no earplugs, no nothing. I don't wear earplugs for the air shows. No way. But for like, if I'm on, you know, doing work, I I'm literally around a running jet potentially. So I'm definitely got ear protection on Wear ear protection, anybody that's listening (laughs) Uh, but uh no the the super hornet is just it provides a different dynamic to the air show um and their performance and even just like the formation flight seeing how big of a change it is in the um like the diamond 360 where it's their it's their like showcase they get you know 18 inches um close in the diamond as they're passing over show center it because the super horn is so much bigger it looks bigger in the sky yeah. and it's just a totally different feel um so that's why I, I like it's so hard explaining it because you know besides videos and stuff that you guys can see until you experience it it's like
3: yeah
2: it's a yeah. jaw-dropping show the mrt the minimum radius turn for uh the lead uh solo that is ridiculous um just because the super hornet pumps out so much more thrust um, on that turn. And then uh, the sneak pass just gets everybody still. It's so funny because you see everybody so, oh, they're watching the the diamond <laughs> come over way up high. And then they go by, and then all of a sudden, you know, Baxter comes rolling through it at a soundbreaking, you know, speed, it seems. But, um, and then Chewy behind it, you know, everybody forgets there's another sneak pass from behind the crowd. So, <laughs> uh, it's always cool, but I would say uh, to answer that question, it, it was a culmination of seeing Fat Albert come home for the first time, um, the transition of the the legacy to supers, and just seeing the the entire change and seeing old you know ex bosses and Blue Angels come back to fill spots for this year, and then seeing them you know perform at their first air show and and here locally, you know we haven't had an air show in Pensacola for two years, so um, to see them do all of their like American Freedom um, or uh, America Strong flyovers and stuff with the legacies and the Thunderbirds. Um, Having them here locally in Pensacola was just incredible. So um, it's been a culmination of just a ton of events um, over the past year and a half, for sure. I can't limit it to just one. Oh, that's so tough. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's a good answer.
1: Uh, Ben, you've got a question. Yeah, so um, if you had a dream aircraft to shoot, what would
2: what would it be and why uh sr-71 or the concord sadly i was not alive to see either one of them i would love the fact that like united airlines has come out and said that they're planning on um purchasing like i think it was like 14 14 to 30 or 14 to 18 uh of these almost like mimic you know concords coming up in the next 10 years um that's like hope See something that was so similar, uh, but that's you know so technologically potentially advanced than the Concorde, which, um, yeah, the Concorde is just a feat. Like, I wish I could have seen that. I see photos and videos of that thing on YouTube. I'm like, just to see that thing take off or even landing, you know, with the the Snoop Droop, that would just be oh, that would be so cool. Um, but that and then the SR 71, um, you know, here in the the iconic stories. And, um, you know, the, the speed check story is one of my favorites. But also just the the raw power of, you know, I think the closest you can get to something like that and feeling it would be like a B1 and full afterburners at an air show. You just don't have anything that's, that's to the general public, I would say that can just reach those speeds. Um, So the Blackbird would be so cool. And I would say lately, because, you know, the f one seventeen has made a, a grand appearance again at Red Flags, it seems. Um, I'm definitely hoping to snag a red flag in the spring sometime and, and link up with a couple of buddies and hit the mountains for a couple of days. So. Oh, mate, that would be so. <laughs> <future. laughs> yeah. So I'd say Co- Concord and SR-71, those two are just, those stick out in my mind, yeah. for sure.
1: Definitely. I think I've seen Concord when it was on its final flight over my hometown. In the UK went into Bristol went into Filton where part of it was built back years in yeah ago. Um, and that that flew over the top of my school when I was, uh, I was thirteen years old and I just just a glimpse of it going over and the sound yeah. was, was incredible and it was the only time I ever saw it fly. Um, yeah. the next time I saw it it was sat outside of uh, Filton hangars in Bristol um, unfortunately yeah. in in the rain and the snow and all the conditions getting absolutely Trash, but now luckily it's got its own hangar and it's being kept up really taken well. Taken care of, yeah. Yes, yes, definitely <laughs> being taken care of now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah, privileged to have seen that
0: well, I think Martin, I Absolutely. think you
1: said you you've seen it.
0: So yeah, so I'm pretty lucky. I live quite nearish to Heathrow, which was obviously um, BA's was base. Um, yeah. So I sort of live in memory. I can remember with the Concords being parked up after the Parish crash because BA's um, service hangar is running to a main road. So, you can drive past it and then you can see more parks outside. Definitely seen it fly, but not that I can remember. And the same goes for the Blackbird. My dad's <clears throat> like, my dad sent me to air shows when I was little, was told me that I've seen it um, at like Milton Hall Air Fates, but I don't actually remember seeing it fly. Obviously, we're lucky enough that we've got one in a museum at Duxford. Yeah. A couple of hangers down from a Concorde as well. So, yeah. We got, we got them both we- from the same spot yeah so we're quite spoiled in that respect but um yeah yeah that's some, that's some great choices there concord's yeah. something different not everyone usually says Concorde.
2: well and i think i think from like a u.s perspective is you know that was like the closest thing that you could get to supersonic flight so even like you know the passenger jets i am not huge into commercial photography aviation photography um i love flying but I know my, my bread and butter and something that, you know, I've always loved is military aviation. So
3: yeah,
2: um, I love the, the heritage birds and the color birds and all that stuff. But um, you know, the Concorde being just that it is the iconic uh, one of a kind until we get the next one um, that just stands out in my mind. So that's, that's such a cool platform.
0: Totally agree. Uh, so we've got a question from LR.ZN photography. What's
2: one of the unique airplanes that you've worked on? So um, so here at Eglin we have uh F 16 C's and D's, um, all different kinds of blocks too. So block 40, 50, 52. And then we have 15s, Cs, E's, and the EX, because we have the two EXs here. Um, which that's just that is so weird, but so cool because it's like it is a strike eagle that's painted up like a legacy C model. So, um, I'm sure if you guys have seen a couple of the posts that I've had, um, of ex one and two, I got to see ex one come in, um, on its inaugural landing here at Eglin. And the, the first time that, you know, it actually flew away from St. Louis, uh, Boeing, St. Louis, um, to its new home, that was just awesome, um, to see. And that was like right after work. So I snuck off the base and, um, right, <laughs> right at, right at the, the end of the runway and snagged some, some shots. Cause they did a. E, C, you know, trio flyover. I had oh, a Viper um uh photog. So my buddy who is in the Viper was taking aerial photography of it. Um but uh yeah, the EX is definitely something that that is really neat. I haven't been able to do any testing with it uh recently. It's still going through all of its like developmental testing because it's a brand, it's technically like a brand new platform. Yeah. Um so it won't, until it starts getting pumped out to like the CAF and like guard units and whatnot, just depending on who actually gets selected for it, um, it'll be the, the testing aircraft here. Um, so I hope they to get to, to play with that one a little bit more. I would say at Signature, when I worked there, um, some of the coolest uh, helicopters that we got in were the, uh, the soarbirds, so the Special Operations Aviation Regiment, the All Black. Um Chinooks. Those are oh, so cool.
1: Nice. They look so I've seen,
2: I've seen a few photos of these they look yeah. bad. They, oh, look really they are So cool. So they come in here uh, into our local airport because we have Eglin on the on the north side of the bay. Um and then over here in Destin, we actually have Destin Executive Airport. So um they will come in here probably like once or twice a month because they come in and they work with some of the army um, special units guys here. Um At Eglin, we actually have a, a detachment of Army special forces um so they'll come in and do stuff, but they come to Destin yeah. and you can hear them chop in the air from miles away like Huey's like the Huey's coming um but those those just all black spec ops uh chinooks they are just insane um so we we would get those occasionally in at signature um I love. I have always loved the F-16. Um, the red tails were definitely special just because we got the actual red tail um, heritage bird where it's mm-hmm. the, the F-16 painted with the red tail like the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, so that was neat working with. Um, we had the MFA 312, I forget which I forget which one, but it's the Bengals out of Marine Air Station, Buford up mm-hmm. in South Carolina. They brought their CAG in and the entire legacy Hornet is painted like a tiger, so it has stripes all the way across the entire jet. Um, and they kept the gray. I wish it was painted like—is um, it the Germans that have the the tiger like Typhoon?
3: Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The
2: yeah. So I wish they had it like orange and black, but it. Was the standard gray and black, but they had stripes all over everything, including like the uh, the travel pods, the uh, the bags underneath, the the fuel tanks, and such. So um, that was a neat one to see. Trying um, to think, we didn't. I don't know if we have anything else. Uh, super crazy um, that I've been able to like get up and touch.
1: Have you got a museum self aircraft in, like the B or the Raptors, f Uh,
2: so I've. I've actually gotten to work with F-35s um before. And they're they're a beast. Um the iconic name, uh Bad Amy or the Battle Penguin, um <laughs> suits the F thirty-five very well. Um, it is just a beast of a of a jet. Um, I have yet to see the B model. I've seen a Charlie and I've seen an alpha because we got a bunch of alphas here where the flight training unit here, the 33rd Fighter Wing here at Eglin is like they are anybody becoming an f-35 pilot they have to come here so we have the alphas here um and i've seen the charlie um at an air show before but the bravo the the fact that like you guys have royal air force has the bravo models i think that thing is so cool because it is a harrier like but it's an f-35 and the way that it actually does the same capability with hovering to see the actual um exhaust manifold rotate and turn down mm. is ridiculous but i have yet to see that in person <laughs> Girl,
1: no so, I'm it's hoping, a cool I'm hoping to see that mm. soon
2: yeah um but no the f-35 is a beast it's uh it's it's something that i got to work with one of my weapons programs on we did a we did a fit check so um we tested to see if we could fit this particular weapon into its weapon bay that was cool um but yeah I mean it's it's neat being here at Eglin you get to you get to work with so many things I think the one thing I'm excited about is uh there's potential for um some work to come down the pipeline in the next uh year or so where we're working with the Italian tornadoes so oh, that'll, nice. be really cool. oh. that'll be really cool that will be really cool so I have yet to see a tornado
0: in person. Um, oh, you'll love it but when you when you feel the burners in your chest. <laughs> <cool enough>. You'll <laughs> love really it. Cool
2: actually, yeah, to actually work with them would be really cool. Um, so that would be neat just to just to capture them and see them uh, in person and witness. Just you know, it is a dying fleet. It really is. Um, but that's something I'm excited about. And then. Uh, I get to do some stuff coming up with B1. So the bone is always, always a treat. Nice. It's a smorgasbord. It's Lucky just, you guy. never know what you're going to work with. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just for work.
0: <laughs> it's all right for some. It must be a hard oh, day job, I eh? I mean, someone's I know, got to it's, do it. Yeah. yeah. Some, it's,
2: some it's a tough gig. It's a tough <laughs> gig. No, I will say the one thing, the one thing with the pandemic is it's been, it's been so unique because, you know, Typically, our job is in the office or um, doing stuff on the flight line. So to be teleworking, because you know a, a lot of this stuff, especially down here, because we're such a tourist attraction, where people don't want to wear masks and all that stuff. Um, when all of this started, um, they had us teleworking. So if we weren't actually like executing test missions or like doing mission planning with the aircraft, with the aircraft and stuff, we weren't on base. So. Um, mm-hmm. they limited the base to like, you know, mission essential personnel. All right. If you're going in to do legit stuff on base, cool. If you can do it at home, do it at home. So we telework for, I want to say like 10 months and throughout that I needed to go in and actually like execute test missions off of jets. So, um, I would do that, but you'd be in there for like two days and then you'd be back home, yeah. um, versus like when I got here, you know, it's normal job. You're go in the office on the base, you know, and you come home at the end of the day. Whether you're testing or not so um we got back into that from april to like last week and we're having another surge just in the united states as i'm sure you guys are seeing um mm-hmm. to where they have pumped it out to where we're back to telework um when we can so it's cool because like on a lunch break if i got anything that's like right down the street at the airport i just swing by mm-hmm. and say hey to the- couple of buddies that work at the fbo down there because they practically see me they're like anytime we get something military in here we're expecting to see you at some point <laughs> um, so <laughs> so the owners and and a lot of the uh a lot of the graybeards and even like the line techs and stuff um and the tower even like the atc controllers they they know us they know me and ash um so um we pretty much have uh free reign of wherever we need to go on the ramp to to shoot photos and whatnot um getting right up next to the taxiway so there is everything anything that comes in and i have a lunch break that i can quickly go take like the hueys um you know i can go snag some shots and then come back an hour later so um
1: it's not too shabby that sounds like a really tough day at the office that does
0: yeah (laughs) It it does So I've got one final question here. This is from Andrew. Uh, what was your first experience of the F-22 like? Ooh, ooh.
2: So first experience with the F-22, um, photography related or just Either, uh,
0: what, what, whatever comes to mind.
2: So I first saw the F-22 fly over the county. We were living there. They had an F-22 two ship come over um, for one of the flyovers. And that, it's like the Eagle in the sense that you have that unique howl to it. Like the raptor has a unique howl to it when it when it accelerates you hear like a, a different toned whine in the engines but seeing that for the first time and then um honestly i got to see the raptor demo for the first time in 2019 uh ash and i went up to um moody air force base up in georgia about four hours four hours up the way <clears throat> and a buddy of mine fly he used to fly a10s up there um so we went and. Saw him and the Raptor demo and the A-10 demo were performing along with the blues there for that weekend. So that was when Paul, uh, our Lieutenant Colonel Loco Lopez was flying it. Um, And so to see the Raptor demo for the first time was just jaw-dropping. I wasn't aware of their routine, so I didn't do any research prior to it. I was just like, all right, we're just going. So I didn't know where the passes were coming from, didn't know what was coming at what time. Um, so when he did his low transition takeoff and then you know it goes vertical, which the raptors that we have here at Eglin do that all the time. And they just we have to like pause our meetings because they're taking off and don't <laughs> don't hear anything. My office is like right at the end of the runway. So there's moments where anything taking off, it's like, all right, hold on one sec. All right, the jets are done taking off. And he had like a six ship of raptors blast. And I'm like, ah, all right, I'm trying to do work. Um <laughs> but the Raptor demo was insane. That was the, I would say the first time that I could legitimately feel raw power from an aircraft in my chest. When it, came, when it comes by center, center stage and then it does a hard 90 degrees and banks away from the crowd, full afterburner, it was just like, it was like pressure. Like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> that was so
3: awesome. <laughs>
2: um, that was ridiculous um didn't take any photos or videos that day sadly but that was that experience was just so awesome but did that and then um i've gotten to do a ton of uh class photos and graduation photos with the 43rd fighter squadron so 2017 when tyndall air force base got hit with hurricane michael all of their raptor fleet came over to eglin and they've been based at eglin since um, and I'm sure at some point, there's some consolidation plan going on to where they're gonna all get consolidated at Langley, um, where the first fighter wing is, um, and then disperse you know, to Alaska and to Hawaii, because there really is only three select locations for the Raptor. But we get the Raptors here, and we've had them here first now. And uh, so the 43rd is their FTU, so their flying training unit, where they anybody going to be a Raptor pilot comes here, um, and they'll go through, you know, they did their T-38 training. They do their SIM training. And it's similar to, if I'm not mistaken, it's similar to the F-35 guys where their first flight in the jet is legitimately the first time that they're in the jet. Like they don't, they go through SIMs the whole time oh. and then they go and fly the jet. So it's not like you're flying backseat in an F-16 and you can do controls or, you know, get familiar with the cockpit. You're doing sim. whole time before you actually so your first flight is like all right i'm actually flying this thing going up in the jet so it's cool to see that dynamic of those two platforms because they don't have any two-seaters they're both single-seaters so i've gotten to, to work with the 43rd a bunch um i did during the pandemic i did a couple of uh squadron photo shoots where um we had to like i had to make sure that all of them were six feet apart <laughs>
3: in front of the jet <laughs>
2: for the group photo. And we called it, we called it the, uh, uh, the social distancing edition, um, which that was cool. Just that was my first time being able to, you know, that was like a check off the bucket list. Um, that photo you guys shared on your story this morning with the questions, um, that was that first day where, um, just to be around the jet up close I have buddies that flew it, that gave me this opportunity. The squadron commander gave me approval to take photos of them and, you know, go out there and do that uh, was really neat. So I've gotten to do that a couple of times now, and I'm trying to do that uh, with the few remaining classes that we have before they um, expedite the Raptors out of here, which will be, that will be one heartbreaking day. But uh, the Raptors are always just so cool to, to see fly and um, here, especially because they're so much bigger. It's like when you compare an F-16 to an F-15, it's like, is this a joke?
3: <laughs> the size comparison
2: <laughs> the size comparison of the 16 to the 15 they may fly the same engines um but you know for the uh, for the f15 i had this in a, a test mission a couple weeks ago um it was like if you have an f15 you have two chances to start your engines and the 16 you only got one if it doesn't start you're screwed so um it's funny to see to see the size comparison cuz like you look at the the 35 and the Raptor and they have similar characteristics and similar forms and features and whatnot but um you know the Raptor is dominant air superiority and it is that to a T um versus the F35 you can say it's air superior um but put the Raptor in mill power and full afterburners and good luck so <laughs> um no I love the Raptor that's my favorite jet and uh
1: It is a special aircraft. It is, it is
2: one of those. It's it's very similar to um the F-117 in that, you know, I feel like it's it won't be appreciated as much until it's gone. I think it is more appreciated because there's only so few that were made. And I think there's like 192. 192 left. But they're slowly, I'm sure they will slowly start consolidating those. Um I saw that. They are planning on keeping around primarily for upgrades to the NGAD, which is like the next generation air dominance fighter. Six Gen is pretty much what it is, so they're probably going to keep the Raptor around for familiarization upgrades and stuff like that in support of the NGAD. So when that Six Gen comes out, that's going to be ridiculous. (laughs) None of us know what it looked like. None of us know anything about it, even just internally. It's like.
0: I'm sure I read that Lockheed have already flown a demonstrator version for the sixth gen already. Yeah. Yep. We're not going to see it for another Same 10, too. 15 or years yet.
2: Considering the 35 started in the 35 program started in the 90s and it didn't officially like make its debut until the early 2000s and then it was like actually being produced, you know, in production in like 2012. Um, mm. It goes to show you that it could take like 22 years to yeah. get something up and yeah. running. Uh, but if they've been working on this for so long let's say they've already been working on it for 10 15 years since the raptor stopped production Mm. they could be a lot closer to it they could be a lot further to it we just don't know so it's like the b21 when is that going to show yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, definitely yeah so it was cool meeting uh sam uh at uh at the Moody Um, air show i got to meet him he's such a good
3: photographer
2: he is an awesome dude it's cool to see him you know his drastic change too from like raptor demo to scott air force base uh you know public affairs it is like he says in, in his videos it is a, a career in the air force public affairs is a career um i feel like public affairs uh can sometime you know be uh underappreciated um especially when you have people like sam that really really get what public affairs is all about but he is just an incredible photographer him along with even like the uh alexander with the f-35 demo I'm forgetting his last name but he was the 35 demo pa photographer uh for two years i think it was 2018 2019 he was awesome him and sam were like just spot on with that stuff and it's cool to see even the newer photographers that are taking that pa role on for the demo teams um like kip and thomas barley they are awesome guys that that are getting the hang of it because you get thrown into that mix where it's like all right have you ever used a camera before have you ever <laughs> shot jets before well get used to it because that's your job for the next two years <laughs> um <clears throat> which i know they're not complaining at all but it is a it is a uh, a learning curve you know like uh, just for for example, like here at Eglin, our aerial photos all come from video videography backgrounds. So they're learning how to shoot photos with a camera versus high speed video and videography. So when we ask for like air to air photos of things, they've had to practice shooting photography because they're so used to a videography background. So seeing that, um, you know, a lot of these guys. Are able to do both. It's really neat to see that uh, learning curve just be like gone instantly. Like just give them a few weeks, learn the camera. It's no different than any of us grabbing a camera for the first time and not knowing what the hell we're doing with it. Um, you know how to shoot in manual, something that I've just finally gotten um, used to doing in in certain settings, um, and not relying on on uh, you know shutter or aperture uh, priority but seeing seeing those guys just take on the demon the demonstration pa has been really neat so yeah it's it's cool cuz there's so many so many of us out there and those guys are just like us they love it but they get to do it for a career pretty neat
1: lucky guys so have you got any questions oh, for us
2: no. yeah so um i would say what got you guys into photography and being that you guys um started your, your page and AV geeks uh, assemble and all that stuff. What was, what was the mentality of wanting
1: to do a podcast? You go first Ben. <laughs> um, so me with photography and aviation really stemmed from um, being in the cadets. I was in the air cadets in the UK. Uh, I was in there for just shy of 10 years. Um, so we got to do stuff like Fairford. We were the other side of the fence per se. Um, so we get early access. it was (laughs) it was it was an amazing experience i've i've got a story i've I've told the guys before and they they probably all heard it to death but there was one year when we were there when the raptor demo team came over for the second year running and we were in control of this uh, little section where they the air crew came in to sign in get their luggage checked in and then go told What they were saying, we were told that they had to have two certain passes to to come in and if they didn't have one or the other they weren't allowed in so I'm a, a, a cadet sergeant at this point. So really, you know, all these guys are higher up, ranked officers, well above my, you know, well above yeah. me. And uh, the Raptor team pull up in a minibus, five of them jump out, black suit with F22 demo team, really they absolutely amazing. I'm like 15, 16 years old at this time, as skinny as a rake. And uh, they come over, they all show the passes. And the last one to come along is the pilot himself the display team pilot and he only has one pass and in that split second I'm that again you can't come in he says you do know who i am don't you yes i appreciate who you are i said but i've been told by lots of people over there you're not allowed in unless you've got a pass and he walked off and about 10 minutes later came back with his pass and uh, he said open your hand moving my hand i haven't got it on me to hand but on um i'll get a picture of it and get it put in for the video podcast um but he gave me an f 22 raptor challenge coin nice um, I've, I've still got it since and stuff like that getting unlimited access to the aircraft going inside the ones the vulcan the 52 where the public couldn't get into we were in and yeah it was it was immense we did air base tours there was chances if we, if you had it financially, you could do um, international exchanges. So we, there'd yeah. be six of us that come from the UK and go over to the States or to Canada. And then there'd be another yeah. six that come over and, and we'd do a transfer like that. I personally never done it. but um, well, I know a, few, a couple of people did and they said it was incredible. They had the same experience yeah. as what we did, but over there. Um, so yeah, and, and that's what pulled me into aviation. And then photography came about say about five years ago, seriously two years ago. Um, I just love it. You
2: start; It's like you start seeing it. You're like, man, I'm watching this, I'm watching this, it looks great, but let me start doing something with it. I just keep watching the same thing over. Yeah. Let me capture some
1: images, <laughs> yeah.
2: some let me do something productive.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it, it was going through like magazines, like Air Force Monthly, um, Aeroplane, yes. and all of that in the UK. And then starting to see it trickle onto social media and it was like, I want to get that shot. I want to be able to take that yeah. photo. Some of them I've been able to tick off of my my bucket list. One I'll be doing in a couple of months. But yeah, I, I love it. It's yeah. such a it's it's a thrill. And to to quote uh, a certain other photographer, it's the relentless pursuit of uh, it is. of aviation
2: challenge. That's what it's all about. Yes,
1: I yeah. love the challenge. Yeah, so I
2: mean, and that's like that's what I look for all the time. It's like all right, what's a shot that if I'm doing, Lord knows how many times I've seen the Blue Angels over yeah. and over and over again. Now that's that obviously not
3: <laughs> something that you guys appreciate,
2: <laughs> but you know, you see the same thing like the Thunderbirds or the Raptor demo, let's say you see it 10 times and you're like, all right, how in the hell can I get a different shot? Otherwise I'm like taking the same photo over and over and over again. So like, that's what I look for. Um, and that's what I try to showcase on my page is you know i'm trying to put shots out there that either um a lot of people aren't necessarily shooting for like the up all right i'm going to shoot when uh blue angel five goes inverted and six is next to it and they're doing the double farvel, trying to get all right let's get the pilot next to the landing gear just for a size comparison like something like that like i'm looking for angles and stuff like that or like the mrt where it's just just strictly the afterburners uh Mm. and the entire airframe body um looking for that
1: that relentless challenge is what it's all about i love that so that's cool uh, that is super cool like like you said it is capturing those shots like you said that you don't really ever see i mean a lot of people go in for the close nitty-gritty detail want to get every single rivet but then there are other people out there that want to get the landscape the clouds and then have the jet or even like a spit file or something like banking into the, into the clouds. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. constant game changer. You're constantly trying to up yourself and top yourself on your images that you, that you yeah. capture. So yeah, that's, that's what enjoys me, definitely. And speaking of the Vulcan, what is that thing like? <laughs> uh, you, so earlier on you mentioned about the Raptor. Uh, yeah. It's unique how the Vulcan had its own unique how as well. When you heard that yeah. thing sitting at the end of the runway just idling and then they put the throttle up to full power held it on the brakes let go and you just got this almighty howl ah it was in- it was breathtaking
2: and then you yeah. see this big
0: delta wing being chucked around the yes. sky just doing yes. tighter yes. turns insane
1: looking just, just seeing it like go up and then bank almost almost onto its top and then level off was just it was incredible absolutely incredible. was that is that
2: strictly like so was the Vulcan because I I've only recently seen that probably in the last few years to where it's mm. like looking at it and learning a little bit more about it. But has that always been like part of the Royal Air Force's fleet? Like did they actually use those during yeah. like, wartime they, efforts or was yes. it strictly for air shows? So and it, stuff like it, that.
0: It was part of the V Four. So we had three we had three nuclear capa- capable bombers from the late 50s. We had the Valiant the Victor and the Vulcan. The Valiant um, was sort of like an interim, sort of um, B-47 kind of okay. level of technology. And then along come the Vulcan and the Valiant, uh, the Victor. And then they, they went through their, their careers. And then uh, only the Vulcan... Well, Valiant dropped bombs in the Suez Crisis. But then the Vulcan got involved in the uh, Falklands nineteen eighty two. Um so yeah that, that held the longest flight for a bombing mission till the B twos dropped stuff on uh, Iraq. Yeah. Um but yeah towards the end of the career they become um air refuelers. They got re- repurposed and they so they the victors saw service in Gulf War One and then yeah. Dang. They were... Yeah then they all phased out and then yeah it was just
1: yeah. the it was just the one singular Vulcan that was flying. There was a Victor that did um, fast taxi runs. They'd sit at the end of the runway, blast it till so far, and then cut all power, throw out the chute, hit the brakes. Unfortunately, the airfield that it was based at has now turned it into a car park. And uh, and yeah, she uh, I think if I'm right, mind then correct me if I am. I think she is awaiting
0: the uh, the cutter's torch. So no, she's so not. she's, so she's, she's going to be part of the museum at Bronte, oh, but the victor at yorkshire aviation museum that does engine runs as well uh, so there is a possibility they did their final of whites and everything
3: mm.
0: yeah we'll, we'll never we'll never see one of them fly again or a vulcan yeah yeah
1: never, but ever. yeah seeing, seeing the vulcan fly is it was incredible i even had it um, we used to have a well, doing again David sort teeth for that um we had an air show down here which is a beach front air show. nothing on the scale of Pensacola at all um <laughs> hey we don't even look we don't <laughs> even get like like
2: air force demonstrations for some reason will never come to our pensacola beach air show really? it's wild because they go to like huntington beach they'll go to Stuart, florida they'll do all the beach shows in florida and on the west coast we i don't think we've had like a viper demo an a10 demo 22 nothing it's always just and I don't know if they tailor that because it is the Pensacola home beach mm-hmm. air show, yes, it's the Blue maybe, Angels kind yeah. of deal. But like uh, like you would even think maybe like the Growler demo or like the Super Hornet demo, like the Gladiators would come and do a beach air show. Nope. Nope. Wow. It's always the homecoming that they got to do it.
1: <laughs> well, then there we go. Then I'll, I'll track my <laughs> statement. <laughs> but, yeah. We, Similar, I- yeah. Yeah, we um yeah, we had the Vulcan come to, to Western for its w- one of its final shows. Um yeah. And yeah, that thing was just incredible. To see it flying over a beach uh, you know, uh, around about five hundred feet, six hundred feet and turning and howling away with the bombay doors opening to the sun was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. But it was unfortunately it was just before it started getting serious into the photography. So uh there's no real, no real decent photos of it, but the memories, are, the memories are up there, which is all that matters. And yeah, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible.
3: Yeah,
0: So I would say with that, it's over. Um, so I want to thank our guest, Jake, for visiting us. And before we go, we'll get each of your uh, Instagram tags. We'll start with you, Ben. Mine's on Twitter now as well. I just started a little Twitter page. Which I just,
1: yes, I know. Sweet. It's this big bad world. <laughs> um, yeah, so mine's uh, ben-aviation-photography. What about yours
2: jake go ahead uh so mine is where i w a r y e underscore 33 and then a period and then photography if you type my last name in i'm practically the only one on there um <laughs> i don't think anybody else has my last name so uh besides family uh but yeah you'll see uh you'll see a raptor uh logo and my my logo with uh the, the patch that i uh and design that i created but um yeah, it's, it's I appreciate you guys, you know, allowing me to come on here. I think just being able to to uh, shoot the shit with you guys and chat aviation and and uh, regardless of time zones, regardless of where you guys are at. This is so cool. I I really appreciate it. And it's always a blast just uh being able to talk aircraft with other guys that um, know what they're talking about, love it, have a passion for it. And you know just the aviation community hopefully is uh continuing to grow and you guys have obviously done a fantastic job with you know the the outreach that your page has and um you know just how many supporters that you guys have of podcast and photography and all the many different members of AV geeks is really neat to see so um well, absolute we, pleasure we, being on
1: here with you guys
0: We definitely oh, appreciate you. you coming on and sharing some of your life stories and everything else with us Oh so, yeah, uh, yeah
1: um that's all so nice. thank you very
2: you. much hit me up if you guys want to do it again i'm always down to chat and um I'm gonna say for future uh i know homecoming coming up uh, i'm trying to work with the raptor demo uh for a day in the life uh from behind the scenes so um hopefully if it's not before or maybe after that we can definitely uh link up again and just provide definitely. a bunch of uh new stuff to chat about for sure so that always down delicious. for updates and hearing from you guys
0: we're we'll definitely looking into that. Right, okay. so thank you everyone and take care and see you soon.